0: humanism it is an outlook or a system of thought attaching prime importance to the human rather than the divine or the supernatural humanism's belief is the the potential value and goodness of every human being it emphasizes the common human needs, and seeks solely rational ways of solving human problems. Humanism is a belief that human needs and values are more important than religious beliefs or the needs and desires of humans. It stresses the essential goodness of all men. It likes to take the core values of humanity, identifying them, but in fact they are not the core values of humanity. They are the core values of the living God of heaven, integrity, faithfulness, love, kindness, gentleness. These are not essential characteristics of the human heart. After two world wars, the murder of 60 million babies in the womb, how can we claim humanism has any standing today? I am sick of humanism moving into the Christian church in America, and it has moved in full force. the humanistic values that I've just described are part of what every child hears in Sunday school. I know what I heard. I heard the hope of the church rests with you. That's what I heard. The hope of the church, young man, rests with you. Go and do great things for God. The Apostle Peter, the Apostle John, the Apostle Paul went out and did great exploits for God. You do the same. Go do great things for God. Do your very best and God will bless it. They were all lies. It was Humanism 101 dressed up in Christianese. so sick of humanism because it is the expression of the tree of the knowledge of good. Remember, it was good and evil, but we have adopted in humanism in the American church because the God power was not moving, the supernatural power was outlawed. Many believing that the supernatural power of God ended after the days of the apostles. That miracles do not happen today. I believe in the miracles of scripture. I believe they are for today. I believe in the miracles of healing power. Not psych power. But the divine interference of almighty God in the lives of human beings demonstrating his love and his compassion and his mercy as he heals our sicknesses and turns our heart toward heaven. As he transforms us into his likeness, he regenerates us and restores us to his likeness. My heart is broken over the lies of humanism. They are on every side. The church believes in humanism. I want to share a story with you today. It's out of the Gospel of St. John. Jesus makes a declaration. He says, I am the bread of life. Now, let me give you some background. Crowds are following Jesus. I mean, crowds. 5,000 men, another probably 5,000 women, maybe another 5,000 children or young people, maybe a crowd of between ten and 15,000 people have gathered to hear Jesus speak and to see his miracles. The healing of broken bodies. The casting out of demons. He sees this great crowd coming toward him. And he asks Philip, where should we buy bread for the people to eat? But he was only testing Philip. He will test you to see if you have a humanistic spirit. And and the answer given was eight months wages would not buy enough bread for even one person to have a bite in a crowd this size. We limit God. By our own human limitations. We believe in the theory that says God helps those who help themselves. I utterly renounce that statement and that belief. I believe that God allows those who help themselves to continue helping themselves until they crash and burn, come to the end of themselves, and turn now to the living God of heaven to be rescued. I renounce all human power. Andrew is the one who's always bringing someone to Jesus. I love Andrew because of that. This was Simon Peter's brother. He spoke up and said, there's a a boy here who has five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Now, he's a little boy. I don't know, maybe nine or ten years old. He has just enough bread and fish to put together a little sandwiches and this will be his meal. It's not enough food to even feed an adult man. It's enough just for this little boy, maybe 10 years old. Jesus said, well, have the people sit down. So they divided themselves out on the On the ground, the 5,000 men and women, 15,000 crowd maybe. Jesus then takes these loaves, and he gives thanks. He breaks them, and he begins to put them in baskets that they had there for some reason. I don't know why they had baskets, but they had baskets that, people had carried so they emptied them out of their jacket and their shirt and their water and and they began to fill those baskets with fish and bread and pass them out to the crowds how long would it take to serve 15,000 people in human terms Can you imagine the work of transporting enough bread for 15,000 people to a mountainside and enough fish to feed 15,000 people? We're talking about a lot of fish and a lot of bread. Well, they all had enough to eat so that they were all satisfied. And we find in John 6... That Jesus then speaks to them. Gather the pieces that are left over. Don't let anything be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets just with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. They had enough for the tribes of Israel. That's the symbolism. 12 baskets, 12 tribes. There's enough for everybody. Enough to feed them again if necessary. Now, let's talk for just a minute about these loaves and these these fish. We would have looked out at that crowd and said, as did Andrew, you know how much money it would take to feed this crowd? but it didn't cost Jesus any money. He's the creator God. And the power of the spirit flowed in his hands. And he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. So there was enough for everybody. Now, how far would humanism have gotten in feeding that crowd? What rational thought could have been exercised that would have said, how many donkeys do we need and and how many how many loaves of bread and and how many fish and how many donkeys do we need to transport all of this out here to the mountainside and how much is it going to cost and and where's the money coming from and the the problems are multiplied over and over and over into an utter impossibility Humanism comes to its end where it can no longer rationally think through and figure out how to solve the problems. That's where the American church is. We've tried to introduce into the American church what the people wanted. We've even had people who sent out questionnaires to the neighborhood what would you like? Well, you don't want the cross up, and you, okay, we'll take the cross down. You don't want, you don't want offerings. You don't want money. talked. to okay. We won't talk about money. In fact, we won't even ask for an offering. And on and on it goes. We'd like the sermon to be short. I ask one man, "How was your sermon this week?" Yeah, your church. He said, oh, it was an excellent message. It was only 15 minutes, and we were able to get out of there and go have lunch. I said, what could he possibly have said in 15 minutes that would have made any difference to your life? He said, oh, I was inspired. What were you inspired to do? Oh, I was inspired to be a happy Christian. Garbage. Garbage. Christianity light, no depth, no power, no no correction, no arrows of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction, no lifting up of the supernatural power of God. I look and I'm grieved because we don't believe in the American church in the supernatural anymore. Oh, you may say, oh yes, I believe in the supernatural, pastor. Have you experienced this week the miracles of God? Have you seen God move on your part? Have you gone to the prayer closet and cried out and beseeched the Lord until he answered you and you knew it was God who did it and not chance and not your talking to somebody and convincing them by some word that they should do something? Were you able, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to win someone to Jesus this week? how do you stand with the lord now what we've done and i see this on every level in the american church what we've done is we have held on to our humanism and then we added to the humanism the gospel of jesus so you don't have to leave your sin to be saved you're fine, just like you are. Just do the best you can do. God loves you. He knows you're a sinner. He knows you can't do any more than you can do. So so be happy and do what you can do, and that's enough. No, it's not enough. It's not nearly enough. If humanism is your rule, then it is enough. Humanism is not the rule of the Christian faith. We don't add the blessings of Jesus to a humanistic outlook that says, Oh, I'm not perfect. I can just do the best I can do, and that's all I can do, and God's going to have to accept that that's all I can do. Are you kidding me? That's not the gospel of Jesus. That's humanism 101. That's the tree of the knowledge of good it's not Jesus so the people respond to this miracle of, of the bread and the fish by making a decision talking among themselves and saying look let's take this man and let's crown him king That's what they intended to do. Jesus saw that. So very quickly, he sent the disciples away, and he withdrew personally while they were making their plans to force him to become king. He escaped from them. In the American church, we've tried to force Jesus to be king over a humanistic kingdom, and he leaves us. And so we have our church rituals deader than a doornail. We have the fights and all of the humanistic struggle going on for power and recognition within the church. We all come hoping that things could be different, but realistically knowing that the church is really a business And we have to meet the financial goals. And some of you are in great trouble with your churches because you can't sell your building that you've had on the market. You've built a new one, but you don't have money to finish it. Some of you have not even yet started to build your building. And you have all of your money in the bank. And suddenly you're going to see the crash of the economy and you're going to see all of your hard-earned money go up in smoke. You're very rational and very logical. And you even pray. But not the kind of prayer that God will hear and not the kind of prayer that will move him to act on your behalf. That's why I've been crying out, oh God, breathe on us. Breathe on me. Breathe on the church. Lord, breathe on us. We've got to make a transition. Jesus spoke about that transition in this sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. They came looking for Jesus, and he addressed them very honestly. I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, not because you saw me as the bread of life, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, that is, his divine ruling authority over your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things the pagans run after will be given to you as well. Is that your current experience with Jesus? It is mine. to make a trip soon to Florida where I'm going to be speaking to a group of friends and neighbors. I'm going to speak very honestly with them about the gospel of Jesus. And then I'm going to baptize two brothers who love Jesus with all their heart. How do I go? Well, I'm going to drive there. It'll be about a 16-hour drive one way, just drive time. I'll stay over one night, so it'll be a two-day drive. But how do I finance it? How do I pay for it? I spent a lot of time praying about that. And then Jesus moved and opened the way for me. When you don't have money to go do whatever you want to do, it's a wonderful thing. It's much easier to serve Jesus when you don't have large amounts of financial resources because then you wait on the Lord. You know that he will provide for you if you wait upon him. And he did provide, and the way is paid. It was Jesus who did that. So I'm going on his errand. I'm going to do his work. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So why am I going to do this trip? Because the Lord is sending me. The Lord is sending me. And when the Lord sends us, he pays for what he orders. Whether it's your rent or your mortgage, whether it's your car payment, he will send it. He will cover you. Food. He is our provision. The Lord God of heaven hears our prayers and he answers. It's not it's not attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. It's not human's belief in the potential value and goodness of human beings. It is a belief in the essential value and, and goodness of Jesus Christ. I didn't seek on rational human ways, do I have the money to make the trip? Right now I'm crying out to God. I'll tell you what I'm praying about. I'm crying out to God that this broadcast could go to the FM side of the dial and that it could also go national. Now, I've been praying this for several years. I'm not going to stop praying because I know the prayer is one that Jesus is asking me to pray. And I know that at some point, very soon, the Lord is going to open that ministry on a much wider basis so that these broadcasts can go to the whole Washington area on an FM broadcast and nationally. How do I know that? Because I've prayed enough about it that I know he is sending the money, and I know he's opening the time slot. When will he do that? The timing is not for me. For me, it's standing fasting, praying, and asking God to bring a message of repentance to America, turning away from the sickening stench of humanism in every aspect of the church. Now, the Lord speaks very bluntly to these people. And they ask him, well, what do we have to do to do the works that God requires of us? And he said in verse 29, this is John 6:29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. It's not to believe in human strength human potential, or human ability. It is to trust in the living God of heaven. It is to get our eyes off of ourselves and off of the human potential and to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. He is real. He moves in time and space and history. He answers our cry before his throne if we will humble our hearts and admit our need He will move in supernatural power to bring deliverance to us, whether it's sickness or finances or the work he's called us to do. He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. See, I'm not here to do my will. I don't have a private personal life. My life belongs to Jesus Christ, does yours. I don't have a self-life where I go to veg out, I don't have a self agenda to promote my quote unquote ministry. I wait on the Lord. I humbly come before him and present my requests and my prayer. And I wait upon him. I know he loves me. I know. He answers me when I pray. I know I am waiting and crying out to God for Pentecost power to do the work of ministry, and that is God moving through me for the salvation of men and women. Now, said, I am the bread of life. What is bread? Bread is the staple of the human diet. Now, many of us in America have stopped eating very much bread or totally stopped because it's so calorie rich. But if we were starving, believe me, we would want to eat the bread. Many poor in Latin America eat the tortilla. Sometimes all they have is salt or a little bit of sauce. Many in Latin America no longer have the ability to buy chicken or to buy milk. Poverty is at such a high level. If I live there, I would have to spend a considerable amount of my time and energy crying out to God to provide food for me. He can provide manna for his people. He provides for his people when they cry out to him in utter and absolute desperate need. Jesus in verse 53 said, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He's saying, look, humanism is not how you are saved. Human design, human ideas do not work to save your life. You cannot survive if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of God. And if you don't drink his blood, this is spiritual, he's speaking, but it applies very directly to what you consider to be the physical realm. The physical realm must come under subjection to the divine realm. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. How do you feed on Jesus? You feed on Jesus by believing in his name and not in your own power. You feed on Jesus by reading the scriptures, meditating, praying, and fasting. You feed on Jesus by cutting off every aspect of self-life. You cut off, I'll be very specific, you cut off the world's input in the media into your heart and into your mind. You cut it off. You turn it off. You say, no, I will not fill my heart with the wickedness of this world's media and technology. I say, no. My life is hidden in Jesus. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. What is your source of life? Is it human strategy and human strength and human dreams and human abilities? I gave up my dreams a long time ago. I dreamed of being someone important. I dreamed of doing great things for God. I no longer have those dreams. I now simply want to serve Jesus Christ in whatever way, in whatever place he calls me to serve because I'm eating his body and I'm drinking his blood. I am sustained in the physical realm by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I will live so long as he chooses to have me live on this earth, on this world. And when he chooses to take me home, I will go to him for eternity. Let me read for you a passage of scripture out of Romans, Romans the sixth chapter. Begin with verse 3. Are you without understanding? Are you uneducated about this? That as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. You were not baptized into a more explicit humanistic life, you were not baptized into success. You were not baptized into accomplishing your goals. You were not baptized into doing something great and becoming somebody and having a great name on the earth. That's not what you were baptized into. You were baptized into death, into the grave. Really, we were buried together with him by means of baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised out from among dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in newness of life. The newness is something that never existed before we were baptized. It's not humanistic vision and dream. It's not human potential. We were baptized into Jesus Christ. And so we no longer live for our vision or our dream. We no longer manipulate. We no longer con. We no longer try to get ahead and grasp the opportunity. We have given all of that up. We are no longer walking in the human realm as the primary source and definition of our life. We are now walking in Jesus Christ, and he is the definer of our life. He is the provider for our physical, emotional, and spiritual existence. Our life is found in Jesus. One man in his 30s who came to Jesus over the last weeks will call me midweek and he'll talk to me about, you know, Pastor, I just, things are not happening. Things are not happening fast enough in my life. I'm not finding a new job. I'm still single. I want to be married. I want to have a family. Why isn't Jesus giving me these things? I'm even thinking about going out and doing it on my own. Other people go out and they can find a wife. Why can't I go find a wife? Oh, you can. You can, I tell him. But she will be a result of your your own human heart. And there will be no assurance that she will be the right wife. I know, I've walked in this misery. Thinking, oh yes, Jesus wants me to have this person for my wife. Really? Really? I wish I could spare you from all of the pain I've experienced in my life by walking in a humanistic spirit. And it comes so quickly upon us. It sneaks into our hearts so quickly. It finds a place of rest so quickly. I renounce it. I renounce humanism in the name of Jesus Christ. I will depend on Jesus alone. He is my bread. He is my drink. He is my sustenance. He is my life. I go where he sends me. I do what he tells me to do. I wait upon him. And could I tell you something? (laughs) It's a great privilege to wait upon the Lord. It's a great privilege to cast aside every means of support in the humanistic world of flesh and find my very life and substance in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, just as Christ was raised out from among dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in newness of life. For if we've been united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be destroyed. Please understand what I'm saying today. Your humanism is dead end. It has no resurrection power. It tastes good, perhaps for a short time in this earth. As you achieve your financial goals, as you achieve your your desire, as one man said, I only think about one thing. Every waking moment, I'm thinking about money and how to be a smarter investor and how to make more money. I think of that, that man in Scripture that Jesus spoke of who, who finally had enough money. And he said, you know what? I'm going to build bigger barns and I'm going to store everything that I have gathered and I'm going to relax and take it easy, and I'm going to enjoy. The Lord said this night, your soul is required. Now, who will enjoy all that you've laid aside? You won't, because you won't be here. You'll be in hell. Now, please understand what I'm saying. This humanism is so clever and so hidden, so hidden in the American evangelical church. I'm calling you today to renounce all humanism in your heart and recognize that human deeds And human values don't even hold a candlestick to Jesus Christ. That in Jesus there is no separation between the expenses of my life, the financial expenses of my life, and the spiritual needs of my life. There is no division in my heart between what I do day by day and what my spiritual life calls me to do day by day. Let's say you work in an attorney's office. Let's say you're an attorney. That's not separate from your life in Jesus Christ, You go there and you are in that place, Jesus, to the people you serve. Let's say you're in construction. That's not separate from your life in Christ. You are sent to that construction site as a fisher of men to save the souls of men and women by your testimony and witness of who Jesus is. But some of you are like the young college student who was very concerned about going up to the timberland where he was going to work this summer cutting timber. He was very concerned because he knew the timbermen were ungodly men. And when he got back, the pastor asked him, how did it go this summer? He said, it was wonderful. I had a great time. Nobody asked me if I was a Christian. They never found out. Well, that young man was not a Christian. He was a Christian humanist. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? That's an opposition. That can't be true. You can't be a Christian humanist. They are totally at odds with one another. The gospel of Christ was not meant to make me a better human being. The gospel of Jesus did not come to us as an additional gift to our talents and our abilities to enhance us so that we can be even more successful in doing great things in our life. We are called to be crucified with Christ Jesus. And again, I come with my invitation to you to be baptized into Christ Jesus by the Spirit of the living God, to die to your self-life, that you could be resurrected in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Now, if you just go along to get along, like the little ditty song we used to sing when I was, a young man, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. If that's you, you need to wake up. If your concern is what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, if your concern is how you're going to be successful and how you're going to get that job, If your concern is having Jesus help you accomplish what you desire, I'll be very straight with you. You're not a Christian. You've not been born from above. You are still a pagan, and you see a means of getting ahead by using every possible advantage, and you see the gospel of Jesus as a means of getting ahead. You're not a Christian yet. You're a humanist. And the church is filled with humanists. I have my little pile of cash. I dole it out very carefully. Because when it's gone, it's gone. I have my job that brings in this much income. I can spend this much. That's all humanism. With Jesus, when you die to self and you die to your money and you die to your strategies and your plans and you begin to ask Jesus, what is your plan for my life? It's your life now. You take over. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And how do you want me to pay for it, Jesus. You see, I've learned that Jesus always pays for what he orders. And he has ordered, for me, FM radio, and he has ordered national radio. And so I'm now saying, okay, I'm willing to do that, Jesus. Regardless of the sacrifice, I'm willing to do that. But now, Jesus, how do I pay for it? And I wait. I wait on Jesus. Well, what are you going to do? Are you a, a humanist or are you a Christian? We're out of time for today. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give to help support this broadcast on this almost the last day of the month, would you quickly go to nationalprayerchapel.com, click on the button at the upper right-hand corner, donate, and would you give tithes and offerings as the Holy Spirit prompts you? Or will you write to me? You can write to me at, and I'll give you the address, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. hope today's been helpful to you. I know without any doubt that humanism stands in the way of revival in the church. As long as we have our programs and we have our music and we have our entertainment and we have our plays and we have our concerts, revival will not come to the Christian church in America. We're going to have to come to an end of ourselves. And we're going to have to confess that Jesus is Lord and mean that and give ourselves utterly and completely to him. That's what's called for. Please pray for me. Pray pray for FM radio. Pray for national radio. waiting on the Lord. Wait with me and do whatever He tells you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Thank you. Jesus is everything. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'd like to meet you in person one day soon. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you.
1: Pastors, church...